Hello, listeners. Matt here. Hey, are you Pottern Family? Go on Twitter and search the hashtag Pottern Family or follow at Pottern Family to find a bevy of great podcasts, including this one. That's hashtag Pottern Family or at Pottern Family on Twitter. By the way, spoiler alert, this podcast will be talking about the most recent episode of the show that it covers. So if you're not caught up, come back when you are if you don't want to be spoiled. Don't worry, we'll be here waiting. Dedicated to the DC Arrowverse on the CW Network. It's Save This City. A Flash and Arrow podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdick. And welcome to Save This City Podcast, episode 20 of the podcast. Only one of the shows to cover this week, Legends of Tomorrow, season one, episode seven, entitled Marooned, written by Anderson McKenzie and Phil Klemmer, the showrunner, and directed by Gregory Smith. My name is Matt Murdick, and I am from SaveThisCityPodcast.wordpress.com. That's your one-stop shop for all things this podcast, like the back episodes, the social media, and the contact links, and the podcatcher links. And if you could take the time to leave me a review on whatever podcatcher you use or podcatcher app you use of the written kind, a written review, I would very much appreciate it. And I'll thank you right here in this spot if you do so. Uh, If you do have any feedback for the podcast then feel free to send emails to save this city podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at save this city pod on Twitter or you can leave a voicemail on our voicemail line and I'll play those uh, if you leave them 314-669-1840 and that's enough about the podcast let's get into talking about this Legends of Tomorrow episode season 1 episode 7 marooned and I suppose the first thing I want to do is go straight to the ending. I mean, what do you think? Did Snart freeze Roy? I mean, we'll find out in the next episode, I guess. But I did love all of the lingering tension between Roy and Snart throughout the whole episode that was lingering, of course, from the Star City episode. And it was nice that they didn't have Roy do like this double-double cross on the pirates either, that he stayed true to his character and and that really made him as much of a bad guy as the time pirates and and the tipping point wasn't really smart it was instead rip telling him that he never wanted him on the team in the first place but had to take him to get start now you know it should be remarked that rory saved palmer back in the 80s russia story right yeah he did a good thing there but i i kind of get the feeling that that was more about some kind of honor code um, just because Rory had taken the hit for him, that he was just returning the favor. It wasn't really about Rory's demeanor changing at all, I guess. And I admit that I had actually hoped that Rory was coming around. Um, it would seem that that thought was for naught. The question is, um, did Snart kill Rory with the freeze gun? And I was really surprised by just even having the thought of that. I, I don't think he killed Roy. I could be wrong, of course. But I, I don't think that he did. 
and I haven't looked at any like trailers or news media about the next episode or, or even about the actor who plays McRory. And, and I'm doing that by choice because I really don't want to be spoiled about it because that really kind of made me excited. I, I don't know where else I want to go with that aspect of it except to ask you. If Snart did kill Rory, is it the right thing? Or is it the wrong thing? Or what do you think? Did Snart kill Rory? Just let me know what you think. Um, as for the Snart and, and Sarah scenes, they, they were okay, I guess. Uh, a, a little bit of backstory on how Snart and Rory got hooked up. That was a nice little piece of info that um, made it more interesting, the choice that Snart made at the end of the episode. But I do have a couple of tomatoes regarding the whole thing that got Sarah and Snart in the mess that they were in where they were talking about it in the first place. Um, Mainly, why didn't the bulkhead doors close and not open when the breach first happened? That would seem to be the thing that would make the most sense. Uh, Snart and, and Sarah shouldn't have ever been able to get in there in the first place. Um, instead, once they're in there, then the doors close and won't open. And that's because the breach was temporarily almost completely sealed by Snart's gun. I, I, I mean, it, it, more or less what it was was a convenience to give them a, something to do in this episode, even if it was just basically talk about themselves, about what it's like to die or about, you know, the past with Rory and, and Snart. Because they didn't have anything else to do except just sit there. Um, My big problem, though, is that even in today's world, we have ships that are specifically compartmentalized so that even if that area did become a complete vacuum, uh, it wouldn't necessarily affect the the life support being sucked out on other aspects of the ship. Uh, we have that in the space station. We we probably had that. We have that in like the space shuttles we did. So if we have that technology today, what the heck is a ship that can go through time and space? Why doesn't it have that kind of design? I mean, come on. Or even redundancy of life support, which is also present on today's ships. Why don't they have that? Um, it's like the writer said, oh, what are we going to give Snart and Sarah to do this up? And then they kind of clumsily came up with this scenario. And again, I thought that the scenes themselves were good. It was just the scenario itself that made everything just not as effective for me because they shouldn't have, it shouldn't have been a scenario they were in in the first place. The other problem that I had was at the end of the episode when Ray said he was still suffering from hypothermia. Um, well, he didn't really seem to have a whole lot of symptoms, but... I found it really extraordinary that while Snart and Sarah were shivering and, and on the verge of death um, so much in that colder and colder, yet like it seems like 20 seconds after they're out of the compartment, they seem fine and even able to fight a ton of pirates uh, and Rory themselves. Uh, you know, hypothermia doesn't seem to have affected them at all. It just seemed a little... Um, convenient again because they needed the story where where snart and rory had to face off or sarah and rory had to face off now i mentioned ray let's talk about him for a moment he actually had something to do this episode yay because i've complained that roy ray doesn't have enough 
in these episodes. And I love the, the humor and the Star Trek references. And he even had a Star Wars reference of his own, the Han Solo one. Um, plus, there were lots of Star Wars references in this episode. I mean, you had the bad feeling quote from Jackson. You had the, uh, I'm here to rescue you. My name's Rip Hunter. I'm here to rescue you. That was just like the Luke Skywalker uh, Leo rescue on the Death Star in the original movie. Um, uh, anyway, lots of Star Wars references. But back to Ray. He did good this up, and, and he was very brave and, and noble, and uh, that's not something that you don't expect from Ray, but he just usually doesn't do it as well as he did it this episode. And his talking with Kendra actually offered some perspective on his personality. Only pets with scales can't choose a favorite color or a beetle, though, because that that wouldn't be fair to the others. That kind of excuse was a little lame to me. The whole idea of having a favorite is not to be fair, right? Um, oh, well. Uh, by the way, my favorite beetle is Paul. Then you have this whole end thing with Kendra where, you know, she's gotten to like him, I guess. And I had praised the show for putting the love triangle to bed. And I still think they did do that. I don't think that there's going to be any more stuff between Kendra and Jax, to be perfectly honest. But it does seem that the show still feels like they have to have some kind of, of love story interest, evidently. And that's okay, I guess. If it's just one couple... I just don't want love triangle drama. That That's the thing that, that gets me. So I'll watch with interest to see where this goes. If it does go back to a love triangle territory, then you'll hear me ranting and raving about it again. But in the meantime, Kendra didn't really know Carter. Uh, and Ray has been over Felicity for a while. So that's okay for me. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. But talking about love stories, that does bring me to Rip. And... I had talked about how, what if Rip got involved with Sarah, would it be a bad thing for the the future of his wife and child? But the nice thing is, is that this episode seemed to justify that uh, any kind of suspicion I had about Sarah and Rip, at least for now, uh, are not going to happen because um, this episode kind of dispelled that. I did love the flashbacks to emphasize, you know, this love that he does have for his wife and, and how that love came to be. Um, I do have a couple questions. If the whole purpose of having no personal involvement or even using real names is to keep time abusers from seeking out family members of, of the time masters, how is it that Rip is still a time master many years after this flashback? I mean, he got married to this girl obviously, and they had a child. Um, I would think that involvement with anyone as a time master would be a violation of the code, regardless of whether the significant other was a time master or not. So my question is, is does this mean Rip and his wife kept their marriage and, uh, and their child a secret from the time masters? Um, that would be an interesting aspect to the story. I, I did like that he got the whole blow the airlock solution from his wife as well. And, of course, if you didn't want to have all of these questions surface about Time Master culture, you could have just had him learn that trick from some other one without all of the extra love drama. But I, I did like that because they went that route, it reinforced his love of his wife and that pretty much allows me to take Sarah off the table with him. Like I said, again, at least for now, 
Plus, Rip was actually pr- pretty much a swashbuckler in this episode and very smart. All of those preset codes he gave Gideon, um, that was cool. And speaking of Gideon, I guess now we know that the ship's artificial intelligence, all of the different ones, have different names, right? And not Gideon, but Gilbert, or depending on the ship. Um, so they are individual, independent uh, artificial intelligences. So that makes me ask, does that actually confirm that the Gideon uh, from Flash is the same intelligence as the Gideon on the Wave Rider? Not just a different version of the program, but the actual same one. Or am I way off here? Uh, definitely different from Gilbert. And I know that in the comics, Gideon was actually created by Barry Allen. So I, I think the whole Gideon thing has kind of confused uh, or at least been changed in the television show. But I'm trying to figure out what Gideon's origin story for this series actually is. Um, this series or, or actually this whole Arrowverse um, that uh, Berlanti and his gang are playing in. I do know that they changed the voice of Gideon uh, from Flash to Legends, and that was simply because uh, Marina Baccarin wasn't available to to be in the show. I think it's probably because I think she's in Gotham now, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't cover Gotham. Our friend uh, at Michael underscore Aaron uh, on Twitter from the Earth's Mightiest cast, he he covers Gotham. So uh, I guess I could check in with him. Um, but I guess that's it about Rip. Let, let's move on to Stein and Jax. And, and Jax really is the one who got the I've got nothing to do storyline this week. I mean, he was basically just soaking up oxygen other than maybe a couple of good lines. But other than that, he was, he was pretty much non-existent. And I didn't get why Stein and Jax when they were, did finally get together, why didn't they just merge when things got tough um, later on in the episode? Uh, I guess that would have been too easy a solution. And while I liked the conversation between Stein and Rip at the beginning, and all of the Stein kind of marveling about space travel, that Space Ranger thing was just a tad over-the-top cheesy for me. Um, plus you get that whole messing with a nuclear physicist thing as uh, Stein jokes uh, that it wasn't a good idea for that time pirate to do that. And I really can't possibly fathom how Stein was able to overtake the guy physically. That line, I guess you can say, makes the possibilities more than just a, a fist fight that happened, you know, conveniently behind a, a closed bulkhead. But it didn't really bother me that much. It didn't over-offend me. Um, you know, give Stein a moment. That was cool. I'll tell you what did over-offend me was that damn beret he was wearing. No, I'm kidding. It was fine. Uh, and I really guess the only other characters to talk about were, were the pirates and Captain, is it Baxter? What was her name? I, I forget, mostly because she was pretty much forgettable in this episode other than maybe to function as a setup for for rip's reasoning uh and to set up rip's flashbacks and to ultimately justify his position and his course of action with the team and it's not that i think that uh, the stephanie cleo was a bad actress or anything it that there just wasn't anything for her really to do i mean when you have a story where there's not enough for your main cast 
to do, like Jax, who didn't do anything this episode, I can see how it becomes really hard to give something for your guest stars to do anything significant. And I just have to say, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see her again somewhere down the line. And if we do, I hope that we get more from her than what we got in this episode. Now, Callum Keith Rennie, on the other hand, the guy who played uh, Valdor, the, the time pirate, he was fantastic. I loved his stuff in, in Battlestar Galactica. Um, he's had a ton of performances on CW shows, I think because, especially several years ago, and I think that's because they filmed BSG uh, in Vancouver as well, or in the Canadian, in that area, uh, some of it. And so uh, it made sense that he he would uh, get work when he wasn't working on BSG uh, on some of these other CW shows like Supernatural a long time ago or whatever. Um, but at any rate, this was good casting uh, for for the Valor character. And this guy was just scary and ruthless. And that, that's the way that, that Rooney always plays these guys. Uh, that beatdown of Rory, that was just flat vicious. Uh, even though he was doing it more or less so that they could get on the wave rider, um, he didn't hold back any when he took uh, when he put some punches into Rory there. And I guess just overall notes, the, the score was good. The score's always good. Blake Neely is just kicking ass. Um, the effects are always at a at a very minimum up to par on on this show as compared to other television shows. And I didn't have any problem with the visual effects this time around either. Um, the action sequences are always well coordinated, you know, the, the, lots of good fighting, always lots of good fighting and, and the, uh, the rip fight was especially fun. Um, so I guess in conclusion, again, a big thing for me for this episode that was great was not seeing Savage two weeks in a row. And even though we did kind of go the time master route a little bit, that was so much more about character development than, you know, any kind of plot or threat. So I thought that that was great. Um, plus the ending just has me wondering what's going to happen. So I'm going to go 8.4 this week. I don't think it was quite as good as the Star City up. I think I gave that one like an 8.7 or something like that. But this was much better than the Russian story, in my opinion. So um, I, I have to put it like somewhere in between the two, I guess. And uh, that's it for covering the legends. There, there isn't much to talk about. Otherwise, um, I do hope to have Donald and Camille on at some point before Flash and Arrow returns. Uh, I do have a little bit of feedback from our friend at Michael underscore Aaron as well. They tweeted, Matt, I decided I wanted to listen to some of your recent podcasts about the first Game of Thrones book. I started the ep. 266 of podcast Winterfell 20 minutes ago. I gotta say, you sound super enthusiastic and passionate, much more so than on Save This City. I think that could be due to a lack of guests to discuss these shows with. You gotta get Donald and Camille on. And thank you very much uh, for that criticism. I, I tried to remain positive. Legends is a hard show for me to remain positive about, to be perfectly honest. Um, because I don't think that I look for the thing, same things out of that show that uh, a lot of people do. A lot of people like the action. They like the superhero cheese and whatever. And I, I'm looking for something more uh, because I read books like Game of Thrones or enjoy television series like uh, House of Cards or whatever. Uh, I'm looking for that next level rather sometimes than just accepting it for what it is, which I should. 
I understand. I, I should. Um, so maybe that's why I'm, I'm less enthusiastic sounding uh, more often than not on this particular podcast. But it does help to have guests. And I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get Donald and Camille on before uh, Flash and Arrow come back. So we at least have uh, one very animated discussion about what we think's coming. Um, so... Uh, thank you again very much for the tweet. That's at Michael underscore Aaron. Be sure to check out his podcast, Earth's Mightiest Cast, uh, which is covering, I think, the series and also Gotham. So maybe even some of the Marvel series, too. Maybe Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. It's a great podcast. Be sure and go and check it out. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. If you have any thoughts or disagreements or whatever, uh, about this podcast uh, or uh, my opinions on any particular episode or have thoughts of your own about any particular episode, feel free to contact me. Save this city podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at Save This City Pod or leave a voicemail 314 669 1840. And I'll be sure to include your feedback in uh, the podcast that it comes right after when you send it. Uh, because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build a community where we can all talk and you don't just have to listen to me talk. And hopefully I don't bore you the way I, evidently I uh, bore at Michael underscore Aaron uh, in this particular podcast. So again, save this city podcast.wordpress.com is where you can find all of that information, and all of the back episodes. Please leave me a review on whatever podcatcher you use of the written kind, um, a written review so that I can uh, be sure to, uh, figure out how to hone in this show a little better so that everybody likes it a little better or just also so that it helps me stay more noticeable so that more people start to chime in on this podcast until next time. And I'm not exactly sure when that will be. I don't know if it'll just be to cover uh, another episode of legends and Supergirl, or if we'll have a podcast with Donald and Camille yet, we're still trying to work it out when we can get together to record. So um, until next time, whenever that is, this is Matt saying thanks for listening and take care. Find all back episodes and all contact links at SaveThisCityPodcast.wordpress.com. If you have feedback, you can leave a voicemail by calling 314 669 1840 or send email to SaveThisCityPodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at SaveThisCityPod. Please leave the podcast a written review on whatever app that you use. <laughs>